So as the passage alluded to, there were seven churches that were started in an area known as Asia Minor, which is today the southwest corner of modern-day Turkey. Jesus was concerned enough for these churches that he decided that he needed to send a direct message to each and every one of the seven churches, and they'd been in existence long enough that he felt like he needed to give them a little redirection. The book of Revelation was actually written as a circular letter, and the reason why that's important is because that that letter was probably sent around and read out loud in each of the seven church services that were mentioned in the book of Revelation. And if you can imagine, as each letter is being read, each church hears the words of Jesus describing the good, the bad, and the ugly of each of the seven churches. I'm sure the excitement was palpable as the letter was delivered to the very first church on the list, Ephesus. At first, maybe they found themselves patting themselves on the back for some of the things that they heard the Son of God himself describing them as hardworking and persevering and standing firm. But as the tone of the letter changes... I bet you could have heard a pin drop as they read the words of Jesus saying, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. saying that. <laughs> Morning, y'all. So um, I have been uh, charged with attempting to accomplish two things uh, this morning. First, uh, today is the first day as we kick off a new series that is based on the New Testament book of <laughs> Ephesians which is actually a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus. And I guess people of Ephesus were called Ephesians, thus it's called Ephesians. Secondly, I have been charged with, at the same time, giving the annual State of Westridge Address which marks the first time in our history that we've attempted to do that within the context of a Sunday morning service. So the bottom line is, you get two great messages for just one low price. (laughs) The real question is if I can pull them both off in time for you to be sitting in your recliner at the time of kickoff tonight. So um, let's start with Ephesians. Ephesus, more than any other church at that time, had a very rich history because 
Not unlike Westridge, the church was started from scratch. And it was started with just a few families who met in homes at first. And the way that it was started was the Apostle Paul was literally sailing around Europe looking for places to start new churches. And the city of Ephesus was a very strategic location. It would be very similar to like New York City today. It was strategically located. It was a large metropolis. It was the center of culture of the ancient world. And so the Apostle Paul drops off a couple of his friends to start the church there at Ephesus. Sometime later, when the Apostle Paul comes back, he falls in love with the place and the people. And so he decides to stick around. And so for three years, Paul hung out in Ephesus and for all practical purposes became the pastor of that church and certainly a friend of the people. One of the most emotional passages in the Bible is when Paul decides that he's being called to minister elsewhere and it's time to go. And so in Acts chapter 20, Paul gives his farewell sermon and he warns all of the Ephesians not to fall away from the faith, but to stand firm. And then in verse 36, it says these words. When Paul had finished speaking... He knelt down with all of them and prayed. And they all cried as they embraced him and kissed him. And what grieved them most was a statement that they would never, ever see his face again. And then they accompanied him to his ship. And for all we know, that was the last time he ever saw the people of Ephesus. You can just tell as you read those two verses that there was a love between the people of the church of Ephesus and the Apostle Paul. There was a bond that would always be between them. And so when we begin to read the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, which we're going to be doing over the course of the next eight weeks, you quickly see that it's written in such a way that you can just feel how deeply the Apostle Paul feels about these people. And in fact, the church at Ephesus is mentioned more than any other church in the entire New Testament. So you would think with such a rich heritage and a strong connection to an actual apostle of God that this church would just have their stuff together and thrive forever. However, when you skip to the end of the story, And you hear about, in the book of Revelation, which is the last time we hear about the church at Ephesus mentioned in the Bible, we see that they're not perfect. In fact, they're far from it. Because in just some 30 years after the church began, they forgot. When the church at Ephesus was first started, They had this passion for God. They were consumed with their relationship with Jesus Christ. God became the priority in their lives. But eventually, they forgot. They weren't necessarily doing anything morally or ethically wrong, they were doctrinally correct. 
They knew the Scriptures. They took a stand against the people who tried to lead them off of the path that leads to Jesus. I would guess that if you and I were to go visit the church at Ephesus, we would come back and we'd say, wow, that is really an incredible church. Even Jesus said, I know your deeds. I know your hard work, your perseverance. I know you can't tolerate evil. I know that you've endured hardships for my name. I know that you've persevered. I know that you've stood firm. It all sounds good. The problem wasn't any of that. The problem was they forgot. Sometimes we forget, don't we? We forget what it felt like in that first moment when we found God. The moment that we knew that there was something out there that is bigger than me, bigger than the universe. Somebody out there who actually knows me better than me. Can you remember the sense of spirituality and awe and peace in that moment that you first believed? Jesus said, remember. Remember the heights from which you've fallen. Remember how incredibly electric it was when you first decided to pursue a relationship with me. How satisfying it was when you finally found a sense of purpose and mission and direction for your life. You remember that? The church at Ephesus said and did all the right things. They were going through the motions of doing church every Sunday morning, but eventually they forgot why they were doing it. Sometimes we get so caught up in the business of church that we forget why we do church in the first place. We come to church on a Sunday morning. We hang out with our friends. Some of us serve in a ministry. It becomes almost second nature for us, but then we forget. We forget the reason why we do what we do. We forget the reason why we show up here every Sunday morning. I think it's important to remember that God himself created the church. It wasn't some pastor back in the day so that he could create a job position for himself. It wasn't a group of people that couldn't make it into the local country club and so they wanted to do something on their own. The church was started and designed by God himself. And I have to say, just by the fact that God did it, God didn't start the church for no good reason. He knew what he was doing. God created the church, first of all, because we need each other. I can't tell you the number of people I hear at least once a year where somebody says, you know what, I don't need the church to be a Christian. Well, you know what, you don't. That's true. However, God knew that you probably wouldn't make it if you didn't have it. Because there are so many obstacles and so many distractions in this life that try to pull you away every single day that there is no way that you can make it on your own. We need the church in order to thrive in our faith. 
And so one of the things that we implemented here at Westridge in the last year or so is what we call the connection ministries because it is so difficult to connect in this modern world. The church is more than just coming to church on a Sunday morning and hearing a good message and singing a few songs and going home. The church is about our need to connect with each other. And so there are a group of people out there, like a Spring Santos and a Vicki Fugman, who volunteer and organize things like Discover Westridge, which we're doing after the church service today, or the Taste of Westridge, or Rob Burheit and the Sports Ministries, or the Haiti Missions Trip. All of those things are designed to help connect people up because it is a proven fact that unless you have meaningful relationships in the church, you will not stay. There will be nothing that will keep you here, and one of two things will happen. You'll either stop going to church altogether, or you will eternally be a church hopper because you never, ever dig down and have roots and have meaningful relationships in the church. If you feel comfortable here and you feel like this is a place that you can grow spiritually, then now is the time. Now is the time to take the next step, plant roots, dig in, and to make this your church home. To make it a foundational part of your life. Because the bottom line is this type of connection that we're talking about is so essential when you go through that next crisis. So essential when you go through that spiritual desert and you feel like you can't pull it back together on your own and you need somebody's hand. Having a deep, meaningful relationship with people who are on the same journey as you are will make all the difference in your life. These are the people who will stop you from falling away from your first love. Another reason that God created the church is for spiritual formation. People are hungry. They're hungry for something more. And I think that every single one of us who acknowledge the spiritual side of our lives, we want to grow and thrive spiritually But it's only in the context of community that we can grow in our relationship with God. Spiritual formation can be defined as the lifelong growth process and development of our inner selves where the focus is on becoming more like Jesus. Spiritual formation, though, that's a process that you choose. It's not something that you're forced into. It's not something that miraculously just drops on you. You decide that you want to move forward and that you want to now live intentionally in the ways of God. And so our job as a church is to assist you in that process. We can't do it for you, but we can help to give you the tools that you need to grow spiritually. And the church facilitating your spiritual growth comes in so many different forms. And it's been incredible this last year to watch the depth and the breadth of how this church has grown in the way that we do that. 
Spiritual formation can be everything from the depth of worship that we experience. And under the direction of Michael, our music and worship times over the last year have provided some of the most meaningful worship experiences that I have ever been a part of in my life. And with the leadership of Steve Van Geem in the technical arts and Eric and Danielle Zapchenk, I just call them Mr. and Mrs. Zap, in the media arts, it's been awesome. It's been incredible. I feel like the depth of teaching we've been receiving from Greg and Gordon has been so strong. I love coming to church here. And I'll tell you, my favorite times to come to church is when I ain't doing nothing. And I can just show up and go to church and soak it in. There is no place that I'd rather be. This is an incredible place, and I love it here. But it's not just about Sunday mornings. Our growth in our relationship with God has to take us beyond just the Sunday morning experience. And so this last year, we've had more than 180 people go through our discipleship classes, which are a more intensive learning environment that deal with anything from how to develop your relationship with God, how to study the Bible, to how to experience financial freedom, to baptism classes. We've also had about 100 people who are part of small groups in this church. And if you're not part of a small group, we highly recommend it because it changes everything about the way that we do church. And you create this special bond with a group of people for the rest of your lives. These are the people who will walk with you down the narrow path that leads to Jesus. They will stand by your side. They were the ones who will help you keep you on track. The cool thing is, the same thing that's been happening in the lives of the adults here at Westridge has also been happening in the lives of our kids as well. And under the direction of Danielle Kerr and Connie Bowman and Courtney Burton and Jimena Plazola, they they make a pretty unstoppable team. And they have been providing spiritual direction for our kids in such a meaningful way. We, when we started this church 15 years ago, we knew kids were going to be a priority because we knew we wanted to assist parents in helping to raise kids in the ways of God. So our slogan from the very beginning was, you may have to drag your kids here the first time, but they'll drag you back. And I know that a lot of you have experienced that in your own homes where your kids have dragged you to church because kids love Westridge. And it shows. I mean, the kids' ministry has grown exponentially. There's, more than, there's almost 150 kids a week that are up there that are doing worship and small groups and having their own time of teaching and growing in their relationship with God. It's, it's amazing to see how that happens, and they love it. There's also a new sheriff in town this year in the middle school and high school area and under the direction of Jared Hubbard. Attendance there has doubled, but the cool thing has been to see how kids have formed this bond with each other that they're going to have for life. I still have relationships from when I was in the student ministry at my church growing up. We still have this bond that we connect all the time. Spiritual formation starts when we're young, but here's the point. It never stops. It can never, ever stop. We can't stop growing or we become complacent. And when that happens, we forget. We go through the motions, but we forget why we do it. 
Another reason why God created the church is to give us an outlet to be able to contribute back to others. I mean, we all have a tendency to lead self-absorbed lives where the focus of our life is built around creating for ourselves a better quality of life, right? But God created the church so that we could remember to give back, to get our eyes off of ourselves and to contribute back to others. And so I couldn't be more pleased in how we've grown in this area in the last year. Our compassion ministry, led by Lisa Chung, has just been absolutely amazing. And the compassion ministry not only cares for people who are in grief and in crisis, providing meals and prayer and assisting them really in whatever way they may need, but it also includes what we do in our ministry with Huff Elementary School. And I want to say this because I want to make this very distinct point. We need to remember that while we always call this a ministry to Huff Elementary, it's really a partnership with the teachers and the staff who are on the front lines doing it every day. I mean, they are in it. And we want to help them to be able to make a difference in those kids' lives who attend there because Huff Elementary sits in one of the most impoverished areas of Elgin, and so their families are in constant crisis and need. And we can help fill that. And so we give and we contribute what we do with pure hearts, and we don't expect anything in return. We do it without expecting any of those families to ever show up one Sunday morning at Westridge. We do it without expecting anybody to give anything back. We would do it if we never got one thank you. Although that video last week was pretty darn cute. We would still do it. Because God calls us to contribute back to the community. And over the course of the last 12 months, there have been over 230 Westridgers who have participated in the Compassion Ministry in one way or another by renovating uh, homes for Huff families, providing meals, uh, providing assistance, prayer. It's amazing. And I have never been as proud of this church as I am right now in the way that we are committed to this community. I have to say that moving forward into 2013, Westridge is in the healthiest place and has the strongest foundation that we've ever had in our 15-year history. And I really believe that because of that, we can move forward with such strength and passion and just really expand our influence in making a difference in the community. Continuing to bring a light into a very dark place. And I think maybe at year 15, the church at Ephesus might have been at the same place we are. But somehow by year 30, they were saying and doing all the right things. They were going through the motions, but they forgot why they were doing it. They got so caught up in the business of doing church that they just slipped their mind. Why? And so I pray that we here at Westridge, that we'll never forget. This morning, I just want to throw down a challenge for you. Just in your own spiritual commitment. 
Because I really do believe that it's so easy to become complacent. It's so easy just to show up every Sunday and it never, ever make a difference and penetrate our lives and our hearts where we're really growing. And so I just challenge you, no matter where you're at in your relationship with God, that you just take the next step. If you have not yet made a commitment to Jesus Christ in your life, you can sign that box in the back of the card in the program and say you want to talk to somebody about your relationship with God. They're praying for people in the chapel today. After the service, you can grab Greg or myself or anybody else. You can do it yourself. Don't waste another minute. If you have not yet made a commitment to take your faith public and to be baptized, talk to any one of us. Sign up at guest services. There's a baptism service coming up. We can explain the ins and outs of why that's so important. But do that. If you've not committed to serve in some capacity here at Westridge, take a chance. Test it out. We need people in, from the cafe to kids crossing to landscaping to web design. And you can sign up at guest services, and there's a lot of different options for that. If you haven't committed to grow in your level of giving, remember that that is a critical part of your relationship with God. Just look at the scriptures about that. That's not about us. That is about between you and God. And if you're not giving in a meaningful way, we would challenge you to begin to look at doing that. And if you haven't really connected and you haven't developed some meaningful relationships here, you're probably not going to stay. And I'd really challenge you to sign up for a small group or to get involved or to join a ministry team or some way to connect up with other people and to build some meaningful relationships. God... He created the church so that we could become part of a community of believers who stand together, who work together, who struggle together, who persevere together, who are on this journey through this life together. And the church is the only survival tool that we have where we can have any hope that we can cross the finish line of this life with our faith left intact. The church is worth investing our lives in because when the world blows, the church is the only thing that will be left standing. This last week, we lost one of the founding members of Westridge, Steve Garten, which has been really tough. And he was incredibly young. And it just reminds me how short life really is. And we forget. We forget that. We forget that the stuff of this world that we chase after so hard will one day have no meaning. We forget that the stuff that we ignore, the stuff that we let go, are the things that have the most meaning in this life. And we forget that one day we will step out of this world and into the next and we'll be asked just one question. What was your first love? And there's only one right answer. Jesus. The greatest challenge of living a Christian life may not be and trying to uncover the mysteries of the Bible or to understand the ways of God. 
greatest challenge of living a Christian life may be in the simple act of just being able to remember. May we at Westridge always remember that the reason why we do what we do is for one simple reason. Because God so loved us, he gave his only son for us to the point that we can't help but love him.